But before I left, I started a series called Shaken. And so we started looking at this issue. We started having this discussion about this issue about what do believers do? What do we do as Christians when our whole world has been shaken? When the foundations have been rocked with maybe it's from a personal struggle, maybe it's a family struggle, maybe it's something that's happening in our country, our world. And so we started looking at what does the word say? What does the Bible say about how do believers behave or how do believers, what do believers do in this period when all of their foundations have been shaken? Fact is, when you look at the Psalms, you realize that the psalmist has a lot to say about this. fact is, he asks this question over and over in Psalm 82.5. Here, here's what the scripture says. He says, they, and so he's talking about people who do not know God, uh, people who do not have a relationship with God. And so he says, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. So we as believers, we have knowledge and we have understanding. But they walk in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. And so this question is asked over and over and over in the New Testament. And I believe Paul answers this question, the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 through chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can go ahead and make your way there. But Paul begins to, to look at this issue about what do we do? What do we do as believers when our foundations have been rocked and our foundations have been, have been shaken? And so today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're just walking verse by verse through these chapters as we look at this issue and we answer this, this, this question. And today a theme verse is going to be, let, let the light shine out of darkness. And so scripture teaches that Jesus is the light of the world, Jesus came into the world, and so we're reflectors of his light. In fact, is the darker the, darker the night, the more important a flashlight becomes, Right? And so, in, in my time away, not only did we celebrate 30 years of, of, of marriage, but, but we also decided, you know what, let's remodel the basement and a bathroom. And, uh, and so, we've been, for, for the last two years, we've been remodeling the house. And, and uh, so, we took stuff, we gutted a basement and gutted a bathroom. And uh, you really realize, when you take out lights in a room, how important light is. I mean, you ever notice that, like when the electricity goes out and the lights go out? And so the darker the night, the more important a flashlight becomes. And so there's several principles that Paul helps us understand that when our foundations have been shaken, whether it's through personal struggles, whether it's through family stuff, whether it's through, through things that are going on with the office, or it seems like the world is getting darker and darker, he gives us some principles, and it's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let us read seven verses, and then I'm going to give you four principles. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or, or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but of Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So I just want to give you four principles that when your foundations are rocked, when your foundations are shaken, whether it's personal, whether it's corporate, whether it's what's going on in the community, a school, or whatever, how we should behave are maybe, maybe some things that we just need to be reminded of. The first principle is this. We as believers, we believe light is more powerful than darkness. 
We have to be reminded of that sometimes because a lot of times when the world seems to get darker and darker, maybe our family gets darker and darker, maybe some of our personal struggles get darker and darker, if we're not careful, we, we forget that. And so we got to be reminded sometimes that light is always more powerful than darkness. In other words, light trumps darkness every time. Light always dispels darkness. I mean, when you go into a dark room or when you go into a dark basement and you kind of wander around and trip on stuff and stagger around because of the darkness and you flip on a light, the light always dispels darkness. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that when our foundations are being rocked, when our foundations are being shaken, sometimes we forget that light always trumps darkness. And so he makes this statement. It's kind of an odd statement when you read this, but watch this, verse 1 out of chapter 4. He says, therefore, and we'll understand what therefore is pointing to. Remember, I've told you therefore is always a pointer to something that was previous said in the chapter. He says, therefore, having this mercy, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Don't you feel better already? It's easy to lose heart, right, if we're honest? This just seemed kind of odd to me. It says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Thank you very much. It's easy to lose heart, right? It's easy, to, if, if we're honest, if we're transparent here this morning, it's easy to get discouraged when the world seems to be getting darker and darker. It's easy to get discouraged when it seems like darkness is all around us. And Paul says, but having this mercy by the mercy of God, it is, by this mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And so if we're not careful, we look around at all the darkness and we look around at deception and corruption and all these other things. And sometimes if we're not careful, we get discouraged. Now we're going to understand what, what Paul actually meant by that statement. But maybe just a personal story about, about my life and about something I have walked through. And, and I really... I really just added this last night, so I don't think the scriptures are going to come up on the screen because I don't know that they had time to add the scriptures. But let me just tell you, I went through a period where I got discouraged, and I lost heart. And it seemed like the challenges were just too great. The hurt, the pain was too great. And I went through a personal period in my life. And, and you know what? I, I don't know how you view me. I don't know if you view me in such a way that you think, ah, oh, he's the preacher. He never gets discouraged. He never loses heart. He ne-. Listen, let me tell you something. I struggle with the same stuff you guys struggle with. And I got discouraged. And I lost heart. And then one morning, a few days ago or weeks ago, I'm life journaling. I'm just reading scripture. And all of a sudden, I come to Paul's writings. And Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. And, and, and let me just read this to you. And he, he says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So all of a sudden, big aha moment. Oh, so Paul did lose heart. Paul did get discouraged. So we felt that we had received the, the sentence of death. Now listen, this wasn't like some court judgment you know what happened? You know why Paul felt like this? Paul felt like this because he had some people that betrayed him, Demetrius and some others. 
they were trashing him. They were talking about him. They left his ministry. They talked about how, what a horrible pastor he was and all of those other things. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves. You know what pride is? This is pride. Pride is this. Pride is when you rely on yourself. Pride is not arrogancy. Pride is a lot of times we think, oh, well, that person's prideful because he's arrogant or she's arrogant. No, pride is this. Pride is, is when you rely on yourself more than you rely on God. Pride is when you rely on your, your personality, your education, your, 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 your position, or whatever. And so all of a sudden Paul says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but what? But on God who raises the dead. And then all of a sudden, Paul begins to make these statements, these, these statements of, of declarations, some things that he knows to be true about God. And he says, and he will deliver us from such a deadly peril. In other words, all of a sudden, there's darkness around him. His foundations are being shaken. And Paul begins to worship. And he will, will deliver us. On him, on him we have set our hope. Listen, here's what I've learned. I've learned when I lose heart, when I get discouraged, you know where I'm setting my hope? I'm setting my hope on my circumstance. I'm setting my hope on my situation. I'm setting my hope on myself. I begin to rely on myself. The same thing Paul was talking about. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by, by praying for us. That's why prayer is so important in the Christian life. So that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. See, Paul understood worship. Paul understood that when darkness surrounded him, when his foundations were being, being totally rocked, all of a sudden he worships. Fact is, you see in Paul's ministry, at the darkest times of his life, he began to worship. Scripture says this, there's two times that you're supposed to worship God. You're supposed to worship him when things are going good in your life because he is worthy. And you're supposed to worship him when things are going bad in your life because he is worthy. It doesn't matter whether you feel like worshiping or you don't feel like worshiping. You worship him not because of the situation, not because of your circumstances. You worship him because he is, he is worthy. And if Christians are truly connected and truly converted, then we should be joyful and we should be confident about the future. And that's why Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. And therefore, always points back to something else that was previously said in the chapter. And Paul is saying, therefore, we don't lose heart. You know why? Because our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is in God and our confidence is in Christ. And we don't lose heart because our confidence is found in grace and forgiveness and love and acceptance. And our confidence is found in the deepening of our character. Listen, the longer that we walk with him, the more integrity that we should have in our life. And so he says, and so therefore, because of this ministry, remember that word ministry? Because of this ministry that he has given us, we do not lose heart. Now, now here's what he was saying. He wasn't saying that we as believers, we... We don't ever lose heart, and we don't ever get discouraged because we know Paul did. And we know, the fact is, next week we're going to look at uh, just be persistent and how to walk through deep hurt and deep pain. And so we know that Paul struggled with this. But here's what Paul's saying. Here's what he's saying. Here's the danger. He says, when Christians lose heart, when Christians get discouraged, they are no longer a light in a dark world. They no longer serve in ministry. They no longer really connected. They may be participators in church and they may go to church, but they no longer serve like they once did. They're no longer light in a dark world. Why? Because they're more discouraged than the world. And Paul says the danger of this, 
because of this ministry that he has given us, that we don't lose heart. And that's why Jesus said, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Because why? Because light always trumps darkness. Light always dispels darkness. See, God did not raise you up to survive the world. God did not raise you up to just get you through it. God raised you up to call people out of the world into the local church. The world are, are, are people who do not acknowledge God and who do not, not believe in God. And it's just church's responsibility to call people out of a dark world. And Jesus was the one that predicted and said that in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And what he is saying is this. Man, when Christians are discouraged and when Christians lose heart, They are no longer light in a dark world. Man, it's easy to, to look at a dark world and think things are getting darker and darker and worse and worse and, and to get discouraged. But, man, when I look at the things that God is doing in this church, and Friday night we, we kicked off the Ignite event, a, a youth event that, that we had here. We rented out another facility and and we had over 100 students, our students in our church, show up. And uh, they worship together Friday and Saturday night. They'll be with us in the 1045 service. And so we had 14 people, 14 host homes that opened up their home and, and let, let junior high and middle school kids spend the weekend with them. And, and we, put, we put leaders in those homes, and it was a discipleship thing. And, and so they worship Friday night, and to watch these 100 kids of our kids just worship, and, and 19 kids accepted Christ on, on Friday night. And so it was just an amazing thing to sit there and to watch and to watch what God is doing in our church and to think about over the last year 152 people have been baptized in our church our life groups more and more people are coming together during the week and gathering in rows and praying for one another encouraging one another and we just had our mission team return from Africa and they just had an unbelievable event and an unbelievable time and and then in the, the we've completed an orphanage remember that we've completed an orphanage in in Haiti and uh, they came out of this church and the vision and it was birthed out of this church. And now then we're getting one, uh, one application after another. And, and so in, in, in December, I'll, I'll travel to, to Haiti and, and I'll get to see the, the orphanage. And then I'm going to preach a, a, a service there where they have uh, a Bible institute where all these uh, Haitian pastors are, are graduating and I'm going to preach their, their graduation service. And so it's kind of an interesting deal. I, 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 we were emailing back and forth and, and typical stuff. What do you want me to preach on? And, and then, and then what, how, how do you want me to dress? Because when you do foreign missions, it's your dress. What you wear can offend. And So I said, uh, so what do you want me to wear? And they're like, a suit. And I'm like, a suit? Yeah, I'm practicing for it this morning. And so I'm like, a suit? Only time I wear a suit is like a funeral or a wedding. A suit? Are you serious? And they go, well, we're going to be in togas or gowns. I'm like, suit sounds good. I, <laughs> I think I'll, and so I look at that, and that came out of this church. And we've said, I think we've sent seven different mission teams to Haiti to build an orphanage and get that, that ready. And Thanksgiving in a box, it starts the single mom's oil changes, the Christmas Eve service that we do every year at the event center. And, I mean, the Christmas Eve service is an amazing thing that we do here. Because a Christmas Eve service is more than just lighting a candle. You know what lighting a candle is representative of? It was when the light came into the world. 
and dispelled darkness. And it is an amazing thing when 3,000 candles are lit in the event center. And that room is totally dark. And you see a picture of when the light came into the world and dispelled darkness. Here's the deal. When Christians get discouraged, when Christians lose heart, they no longer read Scripture, say we're way too busy, uh, I don't have time, God understands. They're no longer involved in ministry and church like they once were. Paul says that's the danger. I don't know if you know this or not, but every weekend, and you may be one of them, we have people that show up here in our church, and they're just giving God one more chance. One more try. The stakes are high. And Paul said, that's why we can't lose heart. That's why we have to stay positive. That's why we have to stay connected to him. Who do you need to be light to in a dark world? You know, who, who do you need to already begin praying about? Who do you invite to the, the Christmas Eve service at the event center? It'll be the easiest service that you'll ever invite anyone to. Because it's not in our church. It's at the event center. It's non-threatening. To me, it's, one of, it's one, of the, one of my favorite services. We've been doing them for 18 years here. And God has done, and every one of them has just done some amazing stuff. Maybe you have a coworker. Maybe you have a friend. I'm telling you. If you have lost heart, if you're discouraged, you can never be light in a dark world. And that's what Paul is saying. The second thing that we believe is this. We believe that integrity is more powerful than deception. We believe that integrity is way more power than deception. Now listen, we, we get it, right? The world uses deception all the time. And so we, li- we understand that we live in a world that uses deception to get what they want. But in the church, integrity, we would believe as believers, whether it's here or in a workplace, or in the family, that integrity is way more powerful than deception. Paul said, verse 2, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cutting or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Now, the Bible tells us that Satan is the deceiver, and he is crafty, and he sometimes comes as an angel of light. And so it's not surprising that the world uses deception, and the world uh, uses deception to get what they want. I mean, there are some people that are deceptive to get ahead in life, right? There are some people that are deceptive to get ahead in the corporate world. There are some people that are deceptive to get into a relationship. They're deceptive to get something that they, that they want so they deceive people. Uh, There's some politicians that what? They use, not all, but some, uh, they use deception to get voted. They use deception to try to get votes and they get into office and all of a sudden it seems like the game changes. There's, There's corporations. There's corporations that use deception because of the bottom line to get ahead or to make money or whatever. There's people that use deception in the world all the time. And you know what? There are some churches that have come to the place that they have watered down their messages so much that their messages aren't offensive to anyone. And so there's a real temptation, even in churches, 
to use deception to spread the gospel. And, and, and it's just something that just frustrates me so much about this issue because there's ways that churches will do that are not people of integrity but try to use deception. fact is, I don't know if you get this thing. This is like the third one that I've gotten in the mail. I don't know why they're targeting my house, but, but, but I got this. And I got an authentic Bible faith prayer rug that has been anointed from the Holy Land. And so, and it comes with three pages of instructions how to properly use this rug. And so there's a, there's a picture of Jesus on the front. His eyes are closed. And so uh, it gives you instructions that you take this prayer rug and you go into a room all by yourself. You turn off uh, the TV, you turn off the radio, you turn off any distractions that are in the room. And then the funny statement was, and, and try to be yourself. That's just weird. And so, so... So anyway, so you go into the room, and listen, this, the original one, this isn't the original, uh, this is just a paper copy, but someone gets this after me, it's kind of like a prayer rug tra- chain letter, and they even explain to you, don't break the chain, because it'll be bad for you, and so that you need, you got 10 days, you need to get it back to them, because it's been anointed, and someone else needs the anointing on their house, and so this is true, I mean, there's three pages of instructions on this, and so you go into a room all by yourself, and you kneel, and your knees have to be touching the prayer rug. And then you stare into the eyes of, of Jesus. And when his eyes open, he's ready. And then they got, they, they're quoting scripture. They're doing all other kinds of stuff. And then when his eyes open, he's ready. And you give him your prayer re- request. You want a financial blessing. You want a healing, healing a relationship, anything like that. And then you tell him that. And then he, when he closes his eyes, he's like, done. And so, <laughs> I'm telling you. And then, and then you fold it up. Uh, there's a form that you fill out. And you tell them your prayer request so that they can join a circle and they can pray for you. And then you fill it out. You attach a check. <laughs> right? You attach a check and you mail it. You know what makes me so mad about this? People believe this stuff. Man, I did some research. They're making millions. Now listen, Paul said, we, believers, we don't distort the gospel. We believe that integrity is more powerful than deception. You know what's dangerous about this? To the non-believer, and even to the believer, to where people become skeptical of church because they get these things, what they see on TV, people blowing on people, people falling out and all that other stuff. And they become very skeptical. And so that's just weird. Now, let me tell you something. As believers, it can even make believers think, you know what? They can become skeptical of some of this stuff. Listen, let me tell you something. Just because a spiritual gift is abused does not mean it's not valid. See what happens to a lot of believers when churches distort the word and try to use deception. If we're not careful, we believe, well, that stuff just isn't valid. Just because a spiritual gift has been abused doesn't mean it's not valid. And so Paul is talking about this issue of the word, and he's talking about the power of the word. In fact, it's Colossians 3.15. Paul makes a statement, and he says, Let the word, he says, May the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then verse 16, he tells you how. And verse 16 says, 
that the Word of God must dwell in you. You know what the peace of God to rule your heart? You have to read His Word. That's why life journaling is so important in case you're new to Fellowship of the Rockies. That's what we do here. It's a systematic way of reading through Scripture and taking it and just applying it to your life. I, I cannot imagine what would happen to me if, if I hadn't that day opened up His Word and realized, you know what? Paul got discouraged too. And Paul understood that when he got discouraged, that's when he began to rely on himself and, and not on God. And so we remember that we are people of integrity. And we let our light shine. And, and we let our light shine in the office. And when people in your office show up late, man, you, you show up on time. And when other people don't put in an honest day's work, you put in an honest day's work for, an, for a day's pay. And when someone else pads their expense account, it seems like they're getting ahead. You be above reproach. And when others in your family are being resentful and angry and spiteful, you be loving and graceful and forgiving. When people around you compromise their integrity, you stand strong. You stay pure. When others, when others water down the truth, man, you stand firm. You see, here's the danger of what Paul is saying. When you and I become discouraged, when we lose heart, it is hard for us to be light in a dark world. Verse 3 goes on, he says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And Paul says the God of this world sometimes blinds the eyes of people to where they're more enamored with the darkness, they're more enamored with the world than they are with the gospel. I mean, have you, have you ever wondered sometimes how, how some, some, some people can, can go through the same worship service, hear the same worship songs, hear the same sermon, uh, be, be experience, experience the same thing, and, and they walk out and said, did nothing for me, I didn't understand it, and someone else walks out and they're very encouraged. And Paul would say that's because the God of this age has blinded the eyes of some people. To where their eyes are veiled and they cannot see the gospel. Listen, let me tell you something. Not everybody likes the light. Have you ever walked into a dark room where your family's like watching TV or whatever and you don't warn them, warn them that you're about ready to turn on the lights? I mean, right? I mean, at first they kind of resent it and they don't like it. I mean, it, it's hurtful. It's painful. And not everybody likes the light is what Paul is saying. And Paul is saying that we understand and we believe that integrity is more powerful than deception. Colossians writes and says that you, you, whatever you do, you do unto the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and he is the one that rewards you. And I would rather have him reward me than man. The third principle is this, is we believe ser servanthood is more powerful than narcissism. We believe that servanthood is more powerful than narcissism. Listen, we live in a world. I mean, our world is focused on one thing, themselves, right? Our world, we live in a narcissistic society to where they only care about number one. And so watch this. Paul says, verse 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves. In other words, we're not preaching ourselves. But Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I mean, in other words, if you, if you want your light to shine, if you want to reflect Christ in the workplace or your home, then you need to start looking at how can you serve others and where it's not all about you to where you're able to put the needs of others ahead of yourself. And if you want to shine in a dark place, it's this issue of servanthood. 
See, one thing that impresses the world is when a church and when a group of people care about the less fortunate and care about the needy and willing to serve their community. I mean, how successful do you think a football team would be if they, if they just got in a huddle and never ran a play? And there's a lot of believers, and they are so enamored with the huddle. I love the huddle. I love going to church. I love the worship services. I love the music. I love the preaching. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Just don't ask me to serve. Just don't ask me to read the Bible on my own. Just don't ask me to take what we're learning and apply it to my life. I mean, I love, I mean, I love the huddle because the huddle is kind of non-threatening. And the huddle is kind of safe and all of that other stuff. But don't ask, don't ask me to ever run a play. Listen, Jesus said this. Jesus says the blessing in a person's life is not in just hearing the word, but in doing the word. James said this. James said, how can you say that the love of the Father is in you if you don't take his word and apply it to your life and apply it to those around you? That's why here at Fellowship of the Rockies, we believe it's the four B's. And, and if you're new, you probably have never heard this, but we talk about this a good amount here at Fellowship of the Rockies. But we believe in the four B's, and we believe that a mature follower of Christ, our fully assimilated person into our church, this is our goal, that everybody would believe in Jesus. In other words, have a relationship with him. That they would belong to his family. That's church membership to where they've come into the body and they've joined the church and they've gotten baptized biblically and all of those other things. And that they're belonging to the family. And then they're becoming his disciple. That's life groups and that's getting together in Bible study and praying for one another, encouraging one another, supporting one another, all of those other things. And then the fourth thing is this, and building his kingdom to where they're serving in ministry. That's a fully assimilated believer. That's what the New Testament teaches. And that there's a blessing on the person's life to when you take his word and you begin to apply it to your life. The fourth and last principle is this. We believe transparency is more powerful than being religious. I don't, I don't need to tell you that there is a lot of phoniness in our world, right? And I really hate to tell you this, but you already know it. There's a lot of phoniness in church. A lot of Christians appear to be more spiritual than they really are. And they walk into a church and they walk into a body of believers and you know what they act like and they, they carry themselves like, I've got it all together. Listen, that is never, that will never attract people. Actually, there are a few things more attracting in life than people who are real, who are transparent, who are willing to admit their weaknesses, just willing to admit that I have lost heart in my life, that I've been discouraged, that I've gone through struggles. Listen, I'm telling you, if you're here and you're visiting with us and, and you're hoping to find a perfect church, this isn't it. If you're hoping to find a perfect pastor, I'm not that pastor. When I went into ministry, I said, God, I'll go into ministry as long as I can be transparent and real. Because there's a lot of phoniness. And there's a lot of Christians that hide behind things like, I'm just a private person. Really? Seriously? That's what Scripture teaches? Verse 7, watch this. This is what Paul says. 
But we have this treasure in the jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so jars of clay, just so we understand this, were very imperfect. And they would have imperfections in them. They would have cracks in them. Um, I mean, it was just, it was common everyday dishes that they would use. And that's why Paul was able, Paul was transparent. He would say, I'm the chief among all sinners. No one has sinned more than me. He says, you know, there's times in my life that the good that I wanted to do, I could not do. The fact is, I did not do. And there were things that I said I wouldn't do, and I ended up doing those things. And Paul would say, you know what, I'm going to boast in. I'm going to boast in in my weaknesses, because it's in my weaknesses is a display that Christ's uh, presence rests on me, and it's powerful. And so, and so you start looking at Paul's life and realize that, that Paul was transparent. And so here's what Paul's saying. And so many times we get this backwards as people. But Paul was saying the treasure is not the jar. The treasure is what is in the jar. See, most people have it backwards. And you know what? They think the treasure is them. That's why they act like they're perfect. That's why they act like they got everything together. That's why they feel like, that. you know what, I better act like I'm more spiritual than everybody else or I'm more spiritual than I really am because it's attracting. You know what, that's actually repelling. Do you, is there anything attracting about going to someone that acts like and thinks they're perfect? Man, when you can be around someone that's transparent and real and honest about their weaknesses and their struggles in life, and that's why Paul says we're jars of clay. And we're imperfect people. Say, so you know what? We're, we struggle. And we're imperfect people. But guess what? We're following a perfect Lord who is holy and who is righteous. Because I'm telling you, when Christians understand their foundation is in Jesus Christ, they cannot be rocked and cannot be shaken. They can be transparent. They can be honest. And they can be real. That's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying when we as believers, when we lose heart and we get discouraged, we can never be light in a dark world. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?